And I'll invite Nathan to come forward now for our scripture readings, firstly from Isaiah chapter 60, verses 1 to 3, and then from John chapter 9. Thanks, Nathan. So the first reading from Isaiah 61 to 3. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the people's. But the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you. Nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. Then our second reading is from John 9, the entire chapter. As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. The neighbours and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some said, It is he. Others said, No, but he is like him. He kept saying, I am the man. So they said to him, Then how were your eyes opened? He answered, The man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, Go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and received my sight. They said to him, where is he? He said, I do not know. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. So the Pharisees again asked him how he had received his sight. And he said to them, he put mud on my eyes and I washed and I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, how can a man who is a sinner do such things? And there was division among them. So they said again to the blind man, what do you say about him since he has opened your eyes? He said, he is a prophet. The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight and asked them, is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? His parents answered, we know that this is our son and that he was born blind, but how he now sees we do not know, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him, he is of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. Therefore his parents said, he is of age, ask him. So for the second time they called the man who had been blind and said to him, Give glory to God, we know that this man is a sinner. He answered, Whether he is a sinner I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. They said to him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I have told you already and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? And they reviled him saying, you are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. The man answered, why this is an amazing thing. You do not know where he comes from and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshipper of God and does his will, God listens to him. 
Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, You were born in utter sin, and would you teach us? And they cast him out. Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and having found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, And who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. Jesus said, For judgment I came into this world, that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, Are we also blind? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say, We see, your guilt remains. So far the reading. The sermon that I'm privileged to read for us this morning was written by Reverend John Haviland, and it's another in uh, a series of sermons that uh, Reverend Haviland wrote on the, the I Am statements of Jesus. Uh, our text is actually John chapter 8, verse 12. I'll just read that for us now. Then spoke Jesus again to them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. So the theme of John's sermon is that Jesus invites you to follow him as the light of life. And the purpose of John's sermon is to urge you to follow Jesus as that light. I think all of us can identify with these words of the Lord Jesus because we know of the importance of light and of being able to see we make the best use of the daylight hours for work and play, doing what we can while it is still light. And of course in our modern world, people also do work at night, especially those roading gangs working in the big cities on the major highways. But they too are working under light, in this case floodlights, so they can see what they're doing. You see, light is essential to life. We need the light of the sun for life and for health and for work. And without it, we could not function or live. But in these words we have read, Jesus claimed that we cannot live without him. He is the light of life. This is the second I am claim which John records in his gospel. And again, Jesus compared himself to something physical and tangible, in this case, with light. You need him to be able to see clearly. You need him to live as God intended you to live and to be what he created you to be. So as we look at these words, we will consider three things. Firstly, his astounding claim to be the light of the world. Secondly, his invitation to come and to follow him. And thirdly, his promise of life to all who do. Firstly then, Jesus made this claim. And he did so whilst he was talking to the Jewish leaders in the temple courts. He was in Jerusalem for the Feast of Tabernacles. And that feast commemorated God's care for his people during their 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. And we're not sure just when in the festival Jesus said these words, nor exactly where he was. 
Many commentators have speculated that he was in the court of the women. In that area, there were four huge lamps made up of many candles, and these were lit at the beginning of the feast, and each night many people would celebrate under the light of these huge lamps. Those celebrations would, in fact, go right through the night with music and with dancing. So it is in this setting that Jesus made this astounding claim. He may well have been standing near these great lamps. The feast came to an end and the lights were put out and Jesus announced, I am the light of the world. And Jesus' claim has a strong background in the Old Testament. We read about light in the very opening verses of the Bible. On the first day of creation, God said, let there be light. And there was light. Light for Israel was also associated with the glory of God. One of the meanings of the word glory is light or radiance. And light was also connected with God's law and truth. We can read in Psalm 119, Thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And light was used of God himself. In Psalm 27 verse 1, we have just sung, The Lord is my light and my salvation. In making this claim to be the light of the world, Jesus made a claim to be God. He aligned himself with God's creation, his glory, his word, and his person. God the Father was the light, and Jesus was the light. And this is why the Jews immediately challenged him. Here you are, appearing as your own witness. Your testimony is not valid. His claim was astonishing, and it was outrageous. How could a mere man say these things? How could he make such a claim? Who did he think he was? Well, in the rest of this discussion with the Jews, as it's recorded for us in chapter 8, Jesus gave us his credentials. He explained that he testified about himself that his father testified about him and that his death in the future would also prove his claims. Not only did he claim to be the light, but even that he was the light of the world. And the prophets of the Old Testament had predicted that this would happen. Through Isaiah, God had foretold that the servant of the Lord would be a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. When Jesus was born, he was taken to the temple in Jerusalem, and there his parents met old Simeon, who praised God that these prophecies had now been fulfilled, and that the light of the world had in fact come. Sadly, Jesus came to his own, but his own did not receive him. But after he had ascended into heaven, then the good news about him was proclaimed to the whole world, to Jews and Gentiles to peoples of all races and all places. And this is still going on today. Jesus is continuing to shed his light in the dark cities and regions of this world so that people might have this light of life. We should note that Jesus is making this claim about himself as a person, not as some vague force of power. Listen to these words that appeared in a Christmas meditation written by the Liberal Catholic Church. 
the light love which, which the Christ floods the planet each year at Christmas is gradually changing the atomic vibration of the earth. And this great outpouring of love light each year is the real Christmas gift of Christ to the world. Brothers and sisters, this is blasphemy. This quote is typical of the New Age spirituality that is common today. But this is not what Jesus meant. When Jesus said he was the light of the world, he did not mean that he would change the atomic vibration of the world. Rather, he called people to a living relationship with himself as the world's light. And he pointed them to the true knowledge of God the Father. That brings us to the second point of John's sermon. It brings us to consider Jesus' invitation to follow him. You see, during this Feast of Tabernacles, the people of Israel would remember how God had led them through the desert. And during the day, he led them by a pillar of cloud, which symbolised the presence of God. And during the night, he changed this to a pillar of fire. So just as the people of Israel had followed the light of this pillar of fire, so Jesus urges us to follow him. Now, if you're going to follow someone, you do want to make sure that he is a reliable guide, don't you? Let me give you an example. On the west coast of the South Island of New Zealand, where I came from, you can go for a walking tour on the Fox Glacier. It's a glacier, a moving object of ice, and the surface changes every single day. So you need a guide that knows what to look for and can choose the best path to avoid the crevasses, to avoid the holes that are in the ice. So if you're going to follow Jesus, you want to be sure that he too is a reliable guide, that he knows the proper path, and that he can lead you in the right direction, and that you can safely follow him because he is the Son of God and the Son of Man. He is divine and he is human. Well, because he is God, he holds the map. He knows the journey from beginning to end and he knows the route that you need to follow. And because he is a man, he knows exactly what it is that you will face on the journey. He's travelled this road already, you see. He knows the difficulties and the temptations that you face. So you can rely on Jesus. The writer of Hebrews urges us to run with perseverance, the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. We can follow Jesus because he has travelled the path already and he knows the way. But to follow him takes faith. Abraham was listed as one of the great men of faith because he obeyed the Lord when God told him to move to another country. He obeyed and he went, not knowing where he was going. He trusted God. A soldier who trusts his commander will follow him into battle. He believes his commander will lead him in the right path. In the same way, a Christian who trusts in Christ will follow him through life, no matter where that leads him. So, brothers and sisters, do you trust in the Lord Jesus? Are you following his shining light? Or would you rather follow your own feeble lamp? 
Will you keep on following him every day, through all of life, no matter what it costs you? Because you see, to follow Jesus takes great commitment. Jesus called his disciples to follow him. They had to leave their nets and their tax collector's booth, whatever it was that they were doing, and to become his disciples, to walk in his light. Well, Jesus calls you to follow him as well. And that will not be easy. He warned people to count the cost. He said that those who followed him would have to deny themselves and to take up their cross. In the first century, he meant that quite literally. And many Christians were crucified for their faith in Jesus. And that certainly required courage and conviction. Today, Jesus invites you, commands you to follow him. Will you do that? Will you keep it up not only in the good times, but also in the bad times when life is difficult? Well, let's move on to our third point then. Jesus encourages us to do this with his promise. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. You can see that he expresses this negatively and positively. If you follow Jesus, you will never walk in darkness. And darkness describes a world without God, a human society in rebellion against its maker. This world is in darkness. We can see evidence of that all around us. People live in a moral and spiritual darkness. They're ignorant of God and they're disobedient to him. Paul explained that the God of this age has blinded the minds of the unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the very image of God. In his letter, the Apostle John described the connection between disobedience and darkness. He wrote, whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. He does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded him. And this describes many people today in our own society. They hate each other. They walk around in the darkness. They're blind. They have no idea where they're going. They live in the night. But Jesus promises that those who believe in him will never walk in darkness. Instead, they will have the light of life. On the fourth day of creation, God created the sun to give light on earth. The constant heat and light of the sun gives warmth and light and life to the plants and to the animals and to the people on earth. What the sun does for the earth, Jesus does for his people. He gives us the light of his truth, the warmth of his presence, and the life that he has gained through his death and resurrection. In fact, Malachi described him as the son of righteousness. And the prophet Isaiah spoke about the coming Jesus when he wrote, wrote, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. If you know the Lord Jesus, then you will live in the light, 
and you will see clearly. And John has recorded the story of one of Jesus' miracles to illustrate this. In chapter 9, Nathan read about the man born blind. He lived in the darkness. His physical blindness was a picture of his spiritual blindness. He could not see where he was going. He did not know Jesus. He had no saving knowledge of God. But Jesus saw him and cured him. He worked a miracle and he gave him his sight. The man could see. He could see the light of day and people's faces and the trees and the buildings. He could live in the light. Not only could he see with his physical eyes, but now he could also see spiritually. He believed in Jesus as the Son of Man. He worshipped him as Lord. Earlier, he had been in a discussion with the Pharisees, who had said to him, Give glory to God. We know this man is a sinner. He replied, Whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. But one thing I do know, I was blind, and now I see. So can you say that? One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. Do you know this? Has it been your experience? Can you see the Lord Jesus with eyes of faith? Are you living your life in the light of life? When Paul wrote to the church in Corinth, he gave us a beautiful description of this light of Christ shining in us. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. If you believe in Jesus, you have this light shining in your heart. And now your task is to spread this light. Jesus wants his light to shine through you. You're the light of the world, he told his disciples. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Brothers and sisters, God has called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Live in that light. Reflect it to those around you. Hold it up for the people of the world to see. We have a Sunday school song that expresses this well. Jesus bids us shine with a clear, pure light, like a little candle burning in the night. In this world of darkness, we must shine. You in your small corner and I in mine. So then, are you shining with a clear, pure light? Are you holding up your candle? Are you lighting up your small corner of the world? Are you letting your light shine before men? This world has a popular saying, seeing is believing. The reality of the gospel is believing is seeing. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever believes in me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Hallelujah. Amen.